Good evening and welcome to the front page, keeping you up to date on the biggest news of the day from Newstalk ZB and the New Zealand Herald. It's Wednesday, November 7th. I'm Juliet Sivitson. In news today, the boxer injured in a charity boxing match has died. Unemployment's at its lowest level in a decade, so why aren't wages rising? The four key issues which drove votes in the US midterm elections and security camera initiative gone down the toilet in Kaikoura. The boxer critically injured in a Christchurch charity boxing match has died. 37-year-old Kane Parsons passed away in hospital today. He was not wearing headgear during the fight. Inspector Daryl Sweeney says police were previously aware of the boxing match and are liaising with the event organisers and officials to fully understand the circumstances surrounding his death. He says his death and all facts surrounding it will be referred to the coroner. New Zealand First has decided to exercise the proxy vote of former National MP Jamie Lee Ross while he is away from Parliament. The party has issued a statement saying it had received a letter from Ross asking the party to exercise his proxy vote and it indicated it had agreed to do so but with reluctance. Ross is on medical leave after having a breakdown he was expelled by the National Party after evidence pointed to him being the leaker of the travel expenses of leader Simon Bridges. A massive drop in unemployment in New Zealand. The unemployment rate's fallen to its lowest level since before the global financial crisis. It's now at 3.9%, falling from 4.4% in the previous quarter and is at its lowest since June 2008. The fall reflects a drop in the number of unemployed people, down 13,000, and a strong rise in employment, up 29,000. The employment rate rose to 68.3%, the highest rate since the series began more than 30 years ago. ANZ says this is a far stronger result than expected and a reflection of the strength of the number of forces within the economy. Senior economist Liz Kendall says it's a great result for New Zealanders, the Reserve Bank and the government. This is absolutely good news for the government. It shows that the labour market has been really quite resilient in the face of firms being much more pessimistic. However, despite the strong numbers, wage growth has remained subdued. Low unemployment usually pushes incomes up. But Liz Kendall says wages have been unusually slow to respond. She says there will be some growth, but it will be a very gradual increase from here. Finance Minister Grant Robertson says the figures reveal an excellent result and show that the government's economic plan is working. Obviously from time to time these numbers will fluctuate but what it, that is the sign is that the economy's working, jobs are being created and unemployment's dropping while employment's increasing. The region with the biggest growth in employment was Taranaki, up 7.1%, followed by Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, Otago, Auckland and Waikato. And tomorrow, the Reserve Bank gives us new forecasts for the economy with the official cash rate announcement due in the morning. Official cash rates have been on hold at 1.75% for two years and could potentially stay on hold for up to two more. To the major news dominating world politics, the US midterm elections. Now, the front page podcast typically focuses on New Zealand news, but this is too big to ignore. Americans turned out en masse to vote in the first national election since Donald Trump was elected president in 2016. Voter turnout in the 2014 midterms was the lowest it had been since World War I. And this year, the millennial votes were said to be up more than 400%. 
So what's been driving votes this year? A wide-ranging survey of the American electorate, AP Votecast, debuted today. It was healthcare at the forefront of voters' minds, with 26% naming it as the most important issue facing the country, followed by immigration at 23%. The economy, gun policy and the environment were also cited as other issues. Nearly two-thirds of voters said Donald Trump was a reason for their vote, while about a third said he was not. As the results roll in, tune in to Newstalk ZB and the New Zealand Herald for the latest updates. Insulted and frustrated. This afternoon marked the first of 34 meetings to be held around the country for secondary school teachers. They're voting on possible strikes after their leaders instantly rejected the government's latest pay offer as half-hearted. The offer is a 3% pay increase a year for three years. That's the same that's been given to primary teachers, who will begin rolling strikes next week. The offer means top-tier teachers would go from a salary of around $78,000 to $85,500. Post-Primary Teachers Association Chairman Michael Cabral-Tarry says the offer's insulting and does little to address shortages and retention. He says members want more to be able to just make ends meet. The teachers are angry that they've had to wait nine years of a national government, nine years with very low pay increases. Lavinia Manoa has been an English teacher for nearly 20 years. She says she was hospitalised last year after working 14-hour days for no extra pay. I was in emergency for three weeks and when I was there I thought to myself, was it really worth my whole health to be wrecked like this? Teachers are also voting on whether to take industrial action. In the Auckland meeting today, PPTA President Jack Boyle urged them to vote for strike action, saying the government's offer is last-minute, half-hearted and disrespectful. They will say we should wait our turn. They'll tell us there's no money or that others deserve it more than us. They will say that we rolled over under a national government. Those things are lies. Primary and secondary teachers have had a unified pay scale since 1998. Both teachers' groups argue that they need more than 9.3% extra to attract new recruits into teaching after a 40% drop in teacher trainees has combined with population growth to produce record teacher shortages. The PPTA is also seeking a housing allowance of up to $100 a week for teachers renting homes in high-rent areas, such as Auckland, Tauranga and Queenstown, where the teacher shortage is most critical. Thousands have descended into Ratana Pa near Whanganui as the church celebrates its centenary. Politicians, including the Prime Minister, have been front and centre today, while tomorrow is reserved for church celebrations. And among the political speeches, Jacinda Ardern, along with Māori Development Minister Nanaia Mahuta, announced a $1.9 million investment in the Ratana Path for housing infrastructure. Mahuta says the money will be targeted for housing. The mixture of homes will be a combination of home ownership and rentals for Komatua. That's what the community want. The celebration culminates tomorrow, the 100th anniversary to the day since Prophet Tahupotsuki Weramuratana is said to have received a divine revelation from which the Ratana Church was born. Ratana went on to found the church in 1925. With the event swelling to the size of a small city, emergency services have stationed staff on site for the week. 
Fire and Emergency Station Officer Carl Moon says it was mainly about access in the event of an emergency with so many more people and vehicles in the area. A man's been arrested for sending threatening letters about the use of 1080 to the Department of Conservation. The 65-year-old has been charged with four counts of blackmail relating to four letters sent to dock staff in Taranaki over the past 14 months. Dock Director General Lou Sanson says the letters were particularly nasty and the case has been harrowing. The letters were referred straight to the police. He says the department has been facing a significant and worrying increase in threats and abuse against staff, both in person and online. Threats were mainly centred around the department's use of aerial 1080 to rid conservation land of rats, stoats and possums, which are decimating New Zealand's native bird species. Sanson says 1080 remains the best way to protect birds from extinction. He says where they've used 1080 to target predators, native species have started to recover. Central District Crime Manager Detective Inspector Ross Mackay says dock staff should be able to go about their lawful business without the fear of threats and intimidation. He's described the investigation as tenacious and extensive, saying it's never acceptable to express concern in the form of threats to individuals. The man will appear in New Plymouth District Court tomorrow. Telecommunications giant Sparks got big plans, which could mean turbulent times ahead for sports broadcaster Sky. Spark has partnered with NEP New Zealand to make its first move into the sports content production. It's revealed a four-year broadcast deal with the International Hockey Federation to add to its growing list of already secured sporting events. Earlier in the year, Spark won rights to the men's and women's Rugby World Cups, football's Premier League and motorsports Formula One and two championships. It's also unveiled its official brand for its sports streaming service, Spark Sport. Head of Spark Sport, Jeff Latch, says they're not going to stop there. We're interested in all sports, so we'll certainly be engaging with a wide range of sports rights holders, both in New Zealand and overseas. But as Sky's outgoing chief executive John Fallett said during October's AGM, the changing environment and the internet presents as much opportunity for Sky as it does for its competitors. Meanwhile, the Telecommunications Amendment Bill, which future-proofs our rapidly changing industry, has passed its third reading. But the message is there's more to do. Former Broadcasting Minister Claire Curran says fast fibre technology must stretch as far as possible to avoid a two-tier system. Where people living outside the, the urban areas are basically struggling to function in the modern world because they can't get fast fibre. Nationals Rangatika MP Ian McAlvey is also concerned about those left behind by technology developments. The large majority of our income comes from parts of New Zealand that struggle the most with telecommunications, with electricity uh, provision and all those sort of things. Ian McAlvey says the challenge is to get services to our most productive regions. Now, it's not great news for dairy farmers. Global dairy prices dropped again at the latest auction. Overall, prices are down 2%. The crucial whole milk powder price has dropped 2.9%. It comes as Fonterra's shareholders take decisive action after a poor year for the cooperative. The election for the board of directors has resulted in a former outcast and critic of the cooperative's direction being elected. Leonie Gurney is back in after being pushed out last year, which ended up in a defamation claim with the co-op. 
JMI Wealth's Andrew Callagher says shareholders also snubbed two candidates the existing board had recommended. So I think Fonterra Group shareholders, I think, have sent a bit of a message to the existing board here by failing to support two of those board nominations. But it's the person they voted in, this Leonie Gurney. This woman has been in a legal stout with Fonterra. Last year, Fonterra lost nearly $200 million, its first ever net loss, and the CEO and board chairman left. A new report suggests treating drugs as a health problem and investing more money in treatment will pay for itself. The New Zealand Drug Foundation has released a cost-benefit analysis report on taking a health-based approach to drugs. It's found there'd be up to $83 million in net social benefits every year by replacing the Misuse of Drugs Act with a health-based drug law. New Zealand Drug Foundation Executive Director Ross Bell says the numbers prove a health-based approach makes economic sense. When it comes to the number crunches like Treasury and the Finance Minister, if they're not persuaded on the moral side of this and the public health evidence, then maybe the numbers which stack up will help persuade them. The report was prepared by Sense Partners economist Shamabil Yakov. He says most of the savings would come from the criminal justice system. On average, the cost of putting somebody in health is half of that of locking them up and putting them through the courts and prisons. Drug rehab groups agree with the report, saying it's time to take a different approach. Needle Exchange Executive Director Catherine Leaf is among those welcoming the report. The war on drugs not only is a failed war, but it is also a war on those people who use drugs. And people who use drugs are our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers and our sons and daughters. The report showed the government could collect up to $240 million in tax revenue from the legal regulation of cannabis, with an additional 6 to $13 million in savings to the justice sector. It also showed at least $225 million in net social benefit could be gained from investing in drug treatment and education services. Staying with health news, a new vaccine has been launched to protect infants, toddlers and teens against meningococcal disease. Meningococcal disease is an uncommon but life-threatening bacterial infection that can kill within 24 hours. It causes two serious illnesses, meningitis and septicemia, which is blood poisoning. Vaccinologist Dr Helen Pertussis-Harris says around one in every ten patients who contract the disease will die. One in five survivors will have permanent disabilities such as brain damage, amputated limbs and hearing loss. A popular coastal tourist town is having to think outside the box when it comes to deterring crime in its public toilets. Kaikoura District Council's removed a camera in the West End toilets after receiving two complaints in three months. Communications and Engagement Manager Libby Clifford says they had to approach the Privacy Commission for advice. She says the camera wasn't able to see into the cubicle, but it was reducing vandalism, drug use and antisocial behaviour. Since we've taken them out, we've had two instances of graffiti inside the toilets. Maybe that's a coincidence, but two incidents in four weeks doesn't really sound like a coincidence to me. Libby Clifford says they'll be working with police to come up with alternative crime deterrent solutions. That's the front page for today, Wednesday the 7th of November, making sure you're across the biggest news of the day. For more on these stories, check out the New Zealand Herald or tune in to News Talk ZB. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at J underscore Until next time, have a lovely evening.